Welcome to Life List, a birding podcast. Hello and welcome, everybody. I am George Armistead, back with another episode of Life List. I am today with Molly Brown. How are you doing, Molly? Hey, I'm doing really well. Got winter weather and I'm cozied up inside, so <laughs> watching feeders today. But yeah, how have you been? Good, yes. Winter finally kind of really arrived here, and we got a fresh coating of snow just in time for uh, for a few birds to arrive. We had the Philadelphia Midwinter Burn Census, which, which actually missed because I was moving that day, but I know that a good whack of birds has turned up uh, as a result of that that storm. And uh, yeah, I've been watching the feeders as well. You know, watched a, a Cooper's hawk eviscerate a downy woodpecker this morning. That was pretty oh, wow. cool. Yeah, it's christening your new backyard then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Some That's new, cool. some some good new yard birds coming up. So <laughs> pretty stoked about that. So yeah, and I understand you are soon off to the great state of New Mexico. Yeah, I I'm heading out in just a few days uh, for a quick trip. In the Albuquerque area, I'm going with a few folks who are on the planning team for the Frontiers and Ornithology Symposium. So that's an event uh, that we first held in 2019, and it's for youth who were basically interested in careers or futures in ornithology. So we bring ornithologists and speakers and that kind of thing together and do uh, a one-day symposium and then another day of workshops and hands-on things. So I'm super excited. We're going to go. We're planning for 2023. Uh, just pandemic has pushed this back, you know, a couple years as a lot of things have been, Mm -hmm. but we're going out and planning and also getting some birding in and I can't wait. That's fantastic. Yeah. Such a great area and such a great event that you guys uh, have worked on, done a few of them now and a pretty great event. If you're a young birder or know a young birder who is thinking about a career in ornithology and research and conservation are the two main areas, right? Yeah. Yeah. This event is just fun. I mean, as anybody who's interested in this knows, especially youth, there aren't a ton of opportunities to, to get people together about this kind of thing. Um, so when, when we did the first full event, it was in Delaware in 2019 and, you know, we planned it for a year and we put a lot of work into it, but then when it's the first of its kind, you just kind of see who's going to show up and see what happens. And we just, it, it sold out before and it was so cool to actually see it happen and come together. And so many people who were interested in it and we just, we had awesome speakers. Um, you being one of them, you were a panelist, weren't you? And yeah, it was just, it's time. fun. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's great. So if, uh, if you are, a young person or know a young person who's interested in it, you'll have to keep an eye on what we have planned for the next year because it's a lot of fun and a very unique thing to get to do. Yeah. And in New Mexico, it'll be really, really fascinating. A a cool cast of characters involved there for sure. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, keep an eye out for that frontiers in ornithology 2023. Yeah. By the time we release this, this will already have happened, but you've got a, new trip coming up too for, uh, for Hillstar, right? Yes. Yeah. I've got uh, pelagic on Saturday and then another pelagic soon after that. And I think a Columbia tour as well coming up that I'm super excited about in the coffee triangle 
area. So, um, you know, yeah, nice part of Columbia, lots of hummingbirds and ant pittas, some great endemic birds and just kind of a relaxed atmosphere, uh, with, you know, good food, you know, nice birding at really, really cool mid high elevation spots. So it's not too hot. It's actually going to be pretty chilly up there. Hmm. Um, so yeah, no, a couple things going on, but yeah, the pelagic this weekend will be, uh, be really nice. looks like we're going to have decent weather. So of course that's always the first thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. We, <laughs> we sold out today. So that was, that was nice. Good news. Yeah. Congrats. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we'll get you on the next one. Definitely. Yeah. Nice. Well, today, Molly Brown, we are talking about a trip that we concluded just a few short weeks ago. Uh, Really, what most folks would not hesitate to call the trip of a lifetime. I mean, um, going to what is widely known as the Pearl of Africa in East Africa, Uganda, we had a great group of folks. Uh, yeah. that we were traveling with and great gang uh, of, of people, you know, ushering us around and showing us what all the tourist sites for birders. Um, we really, we got a great sense of the lay of the land there. We got it. We got to engage with the Ugandans a lot. Uh, and we got to see some amazing wildlife, some beautiful locations. It really, uh, it really was a heck of a trip. I know you and I are both eager to get back. Alvaro as well has got a trip. I think uh, our friend Peter Burke, who we'll hear from a little bit later, is going to represent Alvaro over there. And uh, But, man, what a great group we got to travel with, huh? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was so much fun. Uh, and our, our group text hasn't died out yet from the trip, too. <laughs> so I think that's a good indication of how much fun it was. But oh, just, I mean, we were also happy which how could you not be but you know i the whole trip we were just laughing and just constant talking and always had something to to do with each other and it was just it was so much fun um really really fun group of friends to be with yeah it really was it was fun to be with uh especially after the last you know months, year plus to get to some places exciting as this and with such a group of um, great folks, many of whom were friends, but some of whom I think every, everybody got some life birders on the trip. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, it was, it was really a nice mix. And uh, yeah, um, it was, yeah. it was, we we're very fortunate to be able in the business we're in to be able to do stuff like this. Um because, you know, like Alvaro and you, I think, have both said in the past, birding is certainly about the birds and the wildlife, but it's also about the birders a lot. Um, and man, did we get to spend some time with some great birders on this trip. Yeah, it was great. And of course, that's always great. But like you said, it's not the easiest time to be traveling now. And, you know, there's a lot of us have not been out much over the past couple years and when you're <laughs> apprehensive and you know, there are other things outside of the group's control when you have a group that is keeping each other calm and positive and everything. And of course everything went fine. Um, but yeah, that, that made it, it was a great time to be with such an amazing group of people. <laughs> yeah. They're they're just to give folks a quick rundown, uh, myself and Molly and, uh, and your Jimmy was there. 
and um, James, incredible photographer, uh, <laughs> Peter Burke from Alvaro's Adventures, and and uh, and uh, Catherine Hamilton from Zeiss, Dominic Cousins, the well-known author from the UK. Forget how many books he's published, but it's a whole bunch. Our that. friends Hannah and Eric, uh, who from Hannah and Eric Go Birding podcast. Uh, Doug Gotchfeld from Field Guides, Ted Floyd from Birding. I think I've got almost uh, everybody that came in, if if not everybody, and uh, our fearless leader, Herbert Biarunga, as well. Pretty amazing cast. Yeah. Yeah, that really is quite a list. And that's not to mention all of the other guides and local birders that we got to meet, which were... Well, dozens and dozens by the time the trip was over because we got to end it with the African Birding Expo and attending that and just meeting tons of birders from all over Uganda, um, everywhere we went. So there were just lots of really incredible people that we were around the entire time. Yeah. And, you know, we had a series of questions we were going to go through here. One of them, one of the questions I wanted to, uh, to ask you, Molly, was about the people and the birders, you know, what was, what would you say was your favorite personal experience um, in terms of meeting people in Uganda? Um, You know, we had so many great opportunities to, to meet folks as we've discussed. Was there one moment that stood out for you or a couple moments or, or was it all a big wash of birders and birdering? (laughs) I'm trying to think through, you know, like what we did on what day now, and it's already really blended together. A but, blur, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that was really cool through just, you know, meeting people here and there and also through the Birding Co-op, and which has a really big online community, I've got to virtually meet a lot of the folks that I then met in person in Uganda, too. So that was all really cool. And I, I think we're all kind of getting more of these experiences where you like, have someone you have a friendship with, but it's entirely virtual. And then you actually go to meet them and you're like, oh, whoa, you're really tall. <laughs> I didn't know that on Zoom <laughs> or something. But um, I don't know. That's a very weird, but really cool experience where you're meeting someone in person for the first time, but they really are a, a good friend already. So I had a few of those throughout the trip and that was cool. Um, but uh a single moment or outing that really stands out to me and help me remember, was this the day that we were chimp tracking? And then in the afternoon we met some of the guides that were in training. Yes. Yeah. That was one that, yeah, that was that moment I think stuck out to me. I mean, certainly stuck out to me as well, but yeah, we met what about nine other guides in training there. Sounds about uh, right. Yeah. I think it was, I always forget if I get confused. The town I think is Fort Portal. Uh, and I always want to call it Port Fortal, uh, <laughs> but I think it's Fort Portal. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't even remember the name. But yeah. So, th- so yeah. this guide training program um, that has a heavy focus on women, but a lot of young professionals who are interested in nature guiding, they have these uh, these sites that are set up all around Uganda. So some of these were um, people who were local. Some were from the capital or the city that was, I don't know how far away, um, several hours uh, yeah, drive. Good so away. yeah, yeah. Um, but their training, they like they have lodging and accommodation and all of that is included. So they're all at this site. And we just kind of walked their patch with them and split up into groups and spent an afternoon 
checking out the birding, which was actually really good. It was should have been the slower time of day, but we had a lot of activity and um, just kind of going through some like agricultural fields and a little wetland area where we had fluff tails calling and that kind of thing. Yes. You guys so. got to see fluff tails. <laughs> we did. Yeah. Just we had uh, some frustration to some of us. <laughs> I know that was one of we weren't our group wasn't split up very much you know for the most part we were all in the same spot at the same time but that was one spot where we we were split up and we had it was one of those good quick looks you know it's a it's a fast moving bird and it's not wanting to come out and you know sit and just you know be on a good display in the open but it it ran right in front of us and you all did not get to experience that (laughs) we we surely did not we we had some great experience with some barbets which was neat and Mm. and yeah the the guides there were super you know you Mm -hmm. you you could see there was everyone you know was it was a real really ran the spectrum of folks you know some some guides that were really pretty new to it and others that had been there a while and built up a lot of expertise but they were i would say they were uniform in their mm-hmm. uh, enthusiasm you know so often in the guiding business as we know that it's a you know you have to have the personality to uh you have to be a little bit of an extrovert i think like you and i molly i know are both somewhat of we're, i i think of myself as like an extroverted introvert like yeah you know my wife <laughs> sometimes like yeah my wife sometimes she's like i really forget that you're actually kind of an introvert and uh and, you know, she'll invite people <laughs> over and I get all cranky and, you know, and, uh, but, but, you know, the, you have to have a little bit of that. And, and, and these guys, they all did they, these young men and women, they were all, you know, they were so enthusiastic and smart and quick and, uh, and, and yeah. welcoming. Um, yeah. that was really a cool experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could really see what the birding culture is like in Uganda. Like there's just so much enthusiasm and passion and it feels so active like everybody's just so actively wanting to jump in and be involved and it's excited about every bird they see i mean, we saw that time and time again even like yeah. you know our our guides for the chimp tracking who were helping us find the chimps were very knowledgeable bird guides too and that, that yes. just goes to show what it's like to have a countrywide training program or opportunities for people to learn about birding and guiding but that was really cool that was something that definitely stuck out on this trip, even compared to a lot of places that I think any of us had been. As you talk about going birding someplace where the government has invested in wildlife tourism, and you can see very concretely uh, the positive impact you have on these folks' lives uh, by being there, and um, you know how there's really a culture uh, uh, built around wildlife tourism there it's just i it it makes you long for the days of of more wildlife tourism uh in the area because you could you know by the time we were there you could tell it'd been it'd been pretty sparse they hadn't seen Mm -hmm. a lot of groups in a long time and they were i think especially glad to to see a a group like us but uh yeah it, it it's it's nice to be someplace where you can really see positive impacts that uh, wildlife and birding tourism can have uh, on, yeah. on folks lives really distinctly yeah not Pretty even a, not just in the guides but it you know like the hotels or the lodges that we were at i i kind of miss the feeling of like oh yep these are the birders we'll, we'll have your food ready early for in the morning mm-hmm. and that kind of thing 
and being with our driver, Alex, who is obviously quite experienced with driving a bus full of birders around the country. Yeah. And the whole, you know, hold on, back up a little bit farther. We can't see yeah. it. Yeah. One, three more feet. Oh, one foot forward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, that was a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's so much fun when like you're going to all these different sites because this was a highlights tour. Like we, we were mo- moving around a lot. Um, yeah. We did a lot of travel. Yeah. Yeah. But then you have that familiarity everywhere you go. Just the, it was a birding trip. It wasn't a bunch of birders in a, I don't know, out of place in another park where there were all these other things going. It was just everybody around got birding. And that was, yeah. I've missed that. Yeah. Yeah. And to give folks a little bit of a kind of quick summary of, you know, kind of what we did and, and maybe a little bit of scope. Uganda is about the size of Oregon, the state of Oregon, and it, or Great Britain. It's roughly the same size. Uh, but it's got over a thousand bird species. Um, and there's a lot of people there too. There's, you know, the size of Oregon, but I think it's 44 million people uh, in the country and it's it's actually growing. So they there's some issue with uh, habitat and uh, there, you know, there's some some concerns regarding habitat and, uh, and you know, in human encroachment. But there are a, there's a great national park network as well, and uh, a lot of a lot of birds and wildlife in those. Uh, English is actually the official language there, uh, which you know is helps things in some ways. And um, yeah, it's uh, we kind of flew into we flew into Entebbe, which is where the main international airport is. The capital is Kampala, which is only about an hour or so north of there. That's about a million and a half people. Entebbe, I think, is only around. 100,000 or something. It's a pretty small town. Mm-hmm. It was well known from the 1979 hostage crisis there, um, which I, was, I, I didn't actually know a whole lot about that before going, but I did a little research and it's, you know, a lot of folks remember Idi Amin in the Last King of Scotland movie uh, that came out a few years ago. Uh, details that those were some dark times in, uh, in, in Uganda, but for the last, what, going on 30, 40 years now, uh, it's been it's been pretty stable there and uh, in a in a real hub for tourism. It's you know widely known as the the Pearl of Africa, and uh, yeah. Now Molly, we flew in. We we flew into Entebbe. We pretty much now you you did a little pre trip, and I'd like to ask you about that in a second. But we mm-hmm. pretty much did what a lot of folks do is we head um, southwest and hit the Mabamba Swamp, which is. Uh, a place for a rather iconic bird, uh, which we'll we'll talk about shortly, I'm sure. And then we headed all the way to the southwest corner to the windy, impenetrable forest, which is the site for mountain gorillas and a great birding area as well. Uh, along the way, we hit Lake Mburu. Then we headed north and hit a few areas along the Albertine Rift in the Ruenzori Mountains, which is where there's a lot of endemic birds. That's right on the border. Uh, with the DRC, with Congo. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of birds along the Albertine endemic rift that you really, you, they're, they're endemic to that zone. And so this is the place to go look for them. A lot of them are quite difficult to find. Uh, so you need a lot of time. We didn't get a ton of those on this trip just because you need to dedicate some time to have a chance to see them all. And then we headed on up eventually uh, finishing up at the famous Murchison Falls uh, before heading back to Kampala, where we then did in, enjoy the uh, African Birding Expo. 
where we got to meet with a bunch of other um, birders. Uh, so it was a whirlwind trip. We, we covered a lot of miles, but man, did we see a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, we did. Everywhere we went, I mean, the the habitats, which, okay, so I'll, I'll jump ahead to, to one of the questions that was what surprised you the most about Uganda and the diversity of habitat that we were experiencing is easily my answer. And that, I mean, the diversity of the birds too. And I knew what the expected number of birds that we were going to see was, but I, I mean, every site was just totally different, different habitats, um, you know, different types of birding and just such a huge range of birds. <laughs> yeah, It was hard to imagine before actually being there. I mean, this is by far the biggest trip list I've ever had. And yeah, yeah it was amazing. Impressive long list of birds. And <clears throat> yeah, I think one of the things that's sort of surprised me um, or, or, you know, I, I'd kind of seen this before, but, you know, it'd been a while, I guess. And I just kind of was blown away where we go to our hotel right in Entebbe, you know, and, you know, just like on the wires in bushes and trees, there's, there's not a whole lot of vegetation right there, mm-hmm. but there's just birds all around, you know, those mm-hmm. double tooth barbets and Ross's turricos and, you know, just all sorts of stuff, just, you know, hopping around, singing, and close, <laughs> everything seemed very confiding, and it was amazing what you could just see right at the hotel, right by the airport. Um, some wonderful photo op- opportunities of some serious eye candy birds. That was definitely yeah. one of the things that really stood out, and kind of surprised me. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally remember thinking when we were just waiting on the bus to leave that first morning before we were leaving in Tebby and we had, I don't know, you know, 35 species or something as we were getting into the bus. And now it's funny to think back on that. <laughs> I was totally amazed, but that was such a drop in the bucket compared to what we had in store <laughs> for the entire rest of the trip. It was a lot every day. It was like feast your eyes. And we got lucky too. I mean, we, the, part of the reason people traveled when we did is it's one of the two kind of sections of the year where it's not so rainy. Um, but we had really good weather for the most part. And yeah, we did. Uh, I also was surprised somewhat by just how generally pleasant it was. Like, you know, even up in the mountains there, we didn't really get too chilly. Uh, it was just kind of generally really pleasant weather. And I, I guess yeah. we're kind of mid elevations a lot of the time and that's why. But. Yeah, it was just great. Um, I'm trying to remember. I mean, we barely had rain, didn't we? I, I did come in. A day and a half earlier, yeah. and I, I had rained the first part. Yeah. So uh, do you want to detail for folks a little bit what, what your arrival was like and what uh, and what you did those first couple days? Sure, yeah. So we were just, you know, able to leave a little earlier. We actually left maybe the day before Thanksgiving. So we could go. Um, a couple other folks, Peter and Don, were also able to go. And... One, I was <laughs> I was concerned about getting used to the time zone over there. Wasn't really sure how much sleep we would be getting on the tour. And I wanted to give myself time to adjust to that because I don't I'm a person that needs a lot, a lot of sleep. So I wanted to make sure that I was getting the most out of it. And then also just because it was, you know, a, a long trip and there was room for something to go wrong. And we thought, eh, well, if we can go a little early, then if a flight gets delayed or whatever, and we, you know, we have something bump us back, we're okay. So we did. And we spent the first two nights of our trip 
just uh, on the on the other side of Kampala. So it was maybe a two hour drive or so in uh, Mabira Forest, and it was awesome. Um, just that rainforest feel, and we were at a lodge that was beautiful um, and super birdy, and you know, lots of different, uh, several different species of monkeys around, and that kind of thing. Um, my best hornbell shots were from there, from our room as we were just sitting on the porch. So it was one of those things where it was just a nice lodge to relax. And we drove a couple kilometers and walked some nice roads and there were just a few of us and, you know, we could get on some smaller paths and just do some good quality forest birding and kind of get our bearings on things. And, and that was about it. And then we came back and met with the group and it was completely lovely. Nice. Yeah. And the thing I remember is when we arrived, I think our flight arrived in the morning and it was torrential pouring rain. And I was like, oh man, (laughs) this is, this is a lot of rain. Like, you know, I, like I expected that we'd run into some rain, but this is a lot of rain, but it, you know, I think it it went four or five hours or more. Uh, I don't know. We arrived and I promptly fell asleep. Um, but I woke up kind of midday and, and it was nice out. Um, and that was when we started to see some of the stuff around the hotel. And that was, yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Nice, I'm not nice remembering. Place. Did we have any other big rainstorms? That's the thing. I don't remember. Like it, there was a little bit of rain at Lake and Burrow. Um, remember that oh, first that's right. morning there, yep. but that yep. was about it. Otherwise yeah, it, was real it didn't nice. interrupt our birding. Yeah. No, yeah, we just kept going and saw that was one of our better mornings, actually, one of our better days. Yeah. yeah. Hello, we have something new for this episode with a few of our friends from the trip sharing their memories too. So, first up are Hannah and Eric of Hannah and Eric Go Birding. And in a little bit, you'll also hear from Peter Burke, who's part of Alvaro's team at Alvaro's Adventures. Enjoy. So Hannah, what surprised you most about Uganda? So the thing that I really think about is the tourism aspect of Uganda. So when, you know, growing up in the U.S., thinking about Africa and Mm -hmm. where I'd want to go, you know, I've heard of places like Morocco and South Africa and Kenya. Um, Those are really places that I've heard about a lot. And Uganda just wasn't on the list. Yeah. And... It was incredible to me when we went there and we actually saw, you know, places in Uganda that they are open to tourism and they are really welcoming to tourism and they want it there. We went to one town, Fort Portal, yeah. um, just outside of Kabali National Park or, you know, around it. Yeah, the the, the forest where, where we went to go see the chimpanzees. Yeah, yeah, and there were signs on the sides of the road, you know, that were like the the... I don't know, the light pole flags mm-hmm. that said like, like almost like the feather flags, like the, the things that you put up for like events and stuff. Yeah. It said Fort portal welcomes tourism. And it, it was, I mean, it was out there. It was far away from the airport. Like yeah. I wouldn't be able to get there on my own, but to see these, you know, communities that are welcoming to tourists and want them there was just really exciting to me. And, um, just makes me want to be a part of it. And, yeah. You know, with the going to the Ride for a Woman Hotel and just how the tourism there has impacted the Bowindi community um, to help, you know, fund conservation and help protection of these places was just something that I will, you know, always remember. Well, I, I feel like not not to t- like tag too heavily onto your 
your your surprising thing about Uganda. Don't take my thing. But just that Americans haven't haven't been marketed to from Uganda. Like going there, like it's obvious. Like they are a tourist in, in industry. Like mm-hmm. the, the Uganda has a lot to offer. They want they want tourists. They want um, especially tourists, naturalist tourists coming down and looking at stuff. And they really want to share what they have yeah. with people. Well, it's not and, so much like you... they want to bleed us dry of all our money. Well, you know, exactly. It's like they were so excited to show us gorillas and show us champ- chimpanzees and all the cool things that they have to offer. Yeah, and, and once you get there, it's obvious that, oh, yeah, this is a tourist market. This is where you come for wildlife tourism. But as an American, you don't, we don't get marketed Uganda, like sure. th- for for whatever reason, it hasn't made it to to the the states as a place to go. But other than like what Herbert does, uh, yeah, other than what Herbert does, but yeah, it's 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 so it's so limited so far. But it's it's like it's there. It's they're they're ready for tourists. They want people to come down, and it was super obvious once we were there. But it, it was definitely surprising. And what about you? What did you uh, find was the most surprising thing about Uganda? Yeah, so so the tourism was definitely Stop surprising. Stop stealing my thing. I'm not going to steal your thing. So the the other thing, the um the thing that's even more surprising to me was the density of people. So Uganda is the same same size as Oregon. So same size as the place we live, but you could find people. There was about a population that was like eight times the size of yeah. Oregon. I think there was people living Uganda everywhere. Everywhere we went, there was people. So you would you would drive fifteen minutes and you'd find another village. You drive another fifteen minutes, find another village. Like they were, and you can't drive very fast. It's sure. it's it's you're not. They're not very far from each other. Each of these villages, but in Oregon, you get on you get on the highway, you get on eighty four, you get on twenty six, you drive two hours between cities, and you'll drive through ranch land where there's nothing mm-hmm. you, you, for a full hour of nothing at sixty five miles an hour. And you won't, you won't find, you won't see another person as far as you can see. And you may not see other people in Uganda when you're, when you're driving here, but you'll see, you'll see the villages. They'll be out busy working, working the plantains, working the, the millet, doing whatever they need to do to, to make a living. But you'll, you'll pass through the villages. You'll pass, you'll pass through human infrastructure as, as you're going, just because there's, the density is so much higher, but yet, they're not, it's not developed the same way that, uh, like the, the Western world, a lot of our places are developed where you've got like just pavement everywhere and giant cities where it's just like just hardcore development. It's just like they're, they're living out in villages that are like, like basically one with nature just mm-hmm. out there. But, yeah. but it's everywhere you go, there's people you're, you're going to find people. You drive down these random roads. You think like two hours down this <laughs> random road and think you're just in the middle of nowhere and there's a village and then you'll find a gas station. I know when we were driving through Lake Borough in the evening mm-hmm. when we were doing the night hike or the, you know, the night yeah, drive. Yeah, the night drive, yeah. And we were just driving along. We had just seen a leopard and then some dude like comes riding through in a motorbike. Yeah. And it's like, where did that guy go and where's he where is he going? Yeah, he, he he probably he's probably only driving a couple kilometers, and then he's going to be home. <laughs> and it's like we just saw a leopard. We just had an experience, with, and it was like pitch blackout. It's just completely black. Yeah, this is we we had this experience with a bunch of giraffes, like right there, and a <laughs> is leopard. Is that going to be okay? And he's just driving along on his motorbike, and he's probably he's probably one kilometer from his house, yeah. and he's just right about to get get to his house. So it's just there's people. The density of people is so much higher than. Than than what I'm used to here yeah. in the states because here here in the states like we may think that we're super populated and super like dense, but we're only dense in the cities. We have these huge expanses of just nothing, mm-hmm. which which is good because we have big 
prairies and we have forests and we have stuff like that, which is great to have the nature doing its thing. But in like in Uganda, like there's people living in those places, like out in the forest and out in the prairies and out in out in the savannah. Well, was there anything else that surprised you about the trip or that you weren't expecting? So much stuff, I guess. The uh, I guess so much emphasis is put on the mountain gorillas uh, by so many people, which are amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> genu- genuinely. Um, but I think I was surprised how much I enjoyed the chimp experience. Yes. Um, you know, I completely like that, agree. Yeah, like the sounds. Like, you remember as we were approaching, <laughs> I mean, like we're getting close in the sounds that they make. I'm like, should we be doing this? Like this, it sounds like, yeah. you know, the gates of hell have opened up and you're, you know, you're walking into some, some kind of mess. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, cause they make a hell of a racket and they're, and they're, I mean, the, the sound was intimidating leading up to them. But then when we got there and they're, you know, they, they kind of alternate between sitting around, chilling, you know, resting, maybe eating a little bit, grazing. And then the next thing you know, they're, they're on the move and they're galloping yeah. and they're moving. Like it's incredible how fast they move. They move like these, like a really fast dog, just like galloping through the forest floor. And then the next thing you know, they're running through and they're smacking their hands on the tree trunks, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they have these huge hands and they're super strong. So they, you know, they make all these sounds and, and, you know, <laughs> I remember the guides being like setting us up before we set out to see them. And they were like, you know, kind of very matter of factly, they're like, you know, if the, if the chimp throws something at you or smacks you, you know, don't worry too much. I was like, <laughs> okay. All right. Like, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I don't know. Never experienced anything quite like that. Uh, yeah, it, it was, it really shocked me. I was so, I was so focused, I think on the gorillas that I didn't realize what a cool experience the chimpanzees were going to be. Yeah. I, I was the exact same way. Uh, I wasn't, I didn't have nearly the anticipation or anything with the chimps that I did for the gorillas, but you go for the gorilla tracking. First off, they're in family groups. It's what roughly uh, 10 to 12 or so. There's some variation and f- they're, they're fairly quiet, slow moving, just kind of grazing throughout their day. And you go out and there, we, there are trackers that go out and look for these groups before us actually. And then we, we catch up to the trackers when we go out to look for the gorillas, but yeah, you're just kind of, peeking into this little peaceful, quiet group of gorillas going about their day. And then for the chimps, well, first off, I'll say when, when we got caught up to the chimps and we went, I, and I like looked one in the eye that was just sitting there, that was the moment that physically took my breath away. So that, that totally stands out to me from the trip too. But yeah, so the, the, the chimp groups are, sort of loose and spread out throughout the forest. And I, I'm trying to remember, is it sort of 50 to 100? I, they're not, it's yeah, not as easy to track. More. Yeah. yeah. Dozens. Yeah. And they have this like community. I'm not using the right words now. And they, they break off into these little subgroups that are smaller, but yeah. So you come up and you're going through this thick forest and then all of a sudden you see some movement and there are maybe three or four chimps in front of you and you do get fairly close to them. I mean, you know, we're wearing masks and everything, but we're, what, 10 meters away or so. Um, but then, yeah, when they start making noise, you realize they're 
everywhere around you, like the forest. It's not just you're seeing this happen in front of you. You're seeing four or five of them in front of you and you hear 50 others calling around you. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, geez. yeah that, it really was a different, different kind of experience. Yeah. Yeah. You feel like you're just in this entire I mean, I want to say civilization. They're obviously so organized and communicating so well. They they know exactly what's going on, and then you realize how surrounded you are. I was. I think that's very yeah, I think intense. That's why, yeah, it's like it's almost a little unsettling because, like you say, you look in mm-hmm. their eye, and it's you know what it's less than two percent difference genetically. You know, we're 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 almost looking at ourselves, and uh, it's just a very very different experience. Yeah. The gorillas were just sort of uninterested, you know, they were, they were just going about their day. And I mean, we weren't doing anything. I mean, the, the chimps weren't reacting to us. They, they were certainly in their own world, but it, yeah, like you said, there was just a lot more, um, I'm trying to think of the word. It wasn't aggression. It wasn't just not yeah, it passive. Was, <laughs> yeah. It was, it was kind of raw, um, you yeah. know. It, like it was emotional and like a little hysterical at times and then super placid and calm and like those those things stacked up pretty quickly against each other yeah you're exactly and right it was just kind of it was it was surprising it really was mm-hmm. so my favorite day in uganda i think had to be the first full day that we were in the country we had uh, got in really late the night before, and I, I always love that part of traveling when you wake up after just arriving and you realize, you know, hey, I am in somewhere new. This is going to be so exciting. And the whole day was just full of surprises and, and that anticipation of being somewhere different, seeing new things, meeting new people. And uh, so my wife, Don, who was with us, uh, that was another huge part, which is watching Don's reaction to um, all these new things. We had waited so long to travel. And here it was, finally able to get out and be in a new place, a new continent. Everything was just such novelty that uh, uh, that excitement all day long of, of of watching new things come on board and and people's reactions to them. Uh, so much fun. I had been in the old world tropics before, but it had been decades actually. I, I had spent some time in Papua New Guinea back in 1992 at a research station for a, a few months and getting, you know, sort of back into that experience of how quiet the, the tropical forests of the, of the old world tropics can be. Um, it just instantly came sort of all flooding back and, and just looking at the vegetation and listening to the sounds. It all had a very familiar sense, uh, uh, to me that I, I found really exciting and, and, and just satisfying. You know, I'd wanted to get back and here I was finally. And then the birding that, you know, that morning right off the bat, we were seeing things. Our local guides, Davis and Harmon were, uh, more than I had hoped for. They were, you know, they knew all the sounds. They knew where to look for things. They knew the special things that, that the forest had that, you know, we would want to see. So uh, very quickly they were showing us purple-throated cuckoo shrike and Jameson's waterlie and, uh, you know, uh, 
red-tailed bristlebill. It was it was you know very quick in in being impressive. So uh, we got back to some excellent accommodations. There was a, a lodge right in the forest that we stayed at. Uh, with, you know, red-tailed monkeys and, uh, lots of neat sounds on the forest all around us. And then, uh, after, you know, wonderful meal and very comfortable accommodations, um, settling in, you know, no realizing we were going to be back out there again the next day. The day capped off with these, these tree hyraxes, this little mammal that's related to elephants making these just god awful noises, <laughs> screams almost, uh, uh, in the night, in the darkness, just outside the cabin. Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, uh, cool way to finish that day off. So, yeah, day one. You can't beat day one. Would you say that was your favorite day uh, in Uganda, Molly? No. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> no. Um one was actually the day after we saw gorillas, which was my favorite birding day for sure. Um, that was when my we were just kind of well. really, yeah. So just yeah. walking the road there at Wendy and mm-hmm. the birding was just phenomenal. Some of my yeah. favorite birds from the trip were in that. And yeah, mm-hmm. we were just one of those things where we're just kind of walking the, the park road and it's morning and we're at a slow pace and we're kind of, you know, just checking out here and there. That was great. Yeah, I love that day as well, in part because, yeah. remember, we, we even stumbled upon another little troop of gorillas right. that day. Yeah. Just by chance, like, you know, we'd, we'd done the big hike, and the big hike was, you know, you know, it was it was no joke. I was, you know, I, I was I was a little hobbled coming down that, that trail. Um, I've got a, I got a trick knee that, uh, that can act up on me and it sure, it sure did that day. So just coming down the hill was, uh, was something else. And I also like the, the big track. I was telling my friends, you know, the, the, the gorilla, tr- um, we had great guides, uh, that really do prepare you and, and, mm-hmm. and our tremendous help. And just before we got there, you know, everyone had hike, uh, hiking sticks, walking sticks to get up the hill. And they said, okay, you know, the, the gorillas are just up the hill here. We'll take your walking sticks, your hiking sticks, because the gorillas don't like those. Uh, and if you go walking up there with those, could be could be trouble. So they took those and they said, and by the way, you know, if the silverback charges you, just, you know, lower your head, don't run away, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and, and just, you know, be passive. And everyone's like, okay, all right, that sounds a little scary, but sure. And then you know we get up there, and we're and and we're looking at this huge, huge silverback. Um, I don't know how heavy he was. It's like I don't know, four, five hundred pounds or something. And you know he's he's grazing away, and he kind of kind of gave made some sounds and everything. And then and then he kind of does does a bluff charge, and I start running away, and, <laughs> and like. All the preparation, you know, they're like, you know, don't run away. And like, and I'm, and I'm like, they're like, George, don't run away. And I'm like, I hear what you're saying. My body doesn't care. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so like, I think Doug and Ted like grabbed a hold of me and, and like sat me down. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah. Don't run away. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> and then, you know, and he didn't even, he didn't hardly take a couple steps towards us really, but he did, you know, he did kind of lunge and it was enough that, you know, my flea instinct had set in and, uh, <laughs> And it was not really uh, not one of my prouder moments, but that day was tremendous and cool and what I think everybody hoped it would be. 
but I'm with you. The next day, we 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 had so many birds, and and just before we set out that day, Herbert said to me, "You know, this was the site voted by the African Bird Club as like the number one birding location in Africa." And I was like, "Oh, wow. I didn't know that." Yeah. Huh. And I was like, wow, you know, that's like, I knew it was supposed to be a good spot and all. And then, you know, we start walking and we're just picking up birds. We didn't even go very far. It was just like, you know, so much stuff. Yeah. Close. Um, Mm -hmm. Really a heck of a day. Yeah, it was. And I mean, we were riding off of the high. And I think from the gorillas too, there's just so much anticipation. And I mean, like, you know, years worth for some of us. And um it, it was just, you know, that was as amazing as I think it lived up to everyone's expectations. So, yeah, you're riding off of that. We were at, at an incredible lodge that was just uh, amazing. It was called Ride for a Woman. And I think Hannah and Eric actually interviewed a, a few people from here. So this should be well covered by our group. But it was a lodge where the it started as a, a group that just rented out bicycles for tourists to use and Wendy and it just developed and built um, this whole thing where they, they do um, training for women and they run this lodge and they provide housing and professional opportunities and, and all these other things. Um, they also did, uh, they performed music for us and local music, which was how we actually started our gorilla day. That's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, you're coming off of all that and we're just down the road birding too. And we, that day, is that the day we had the traditional Ugandan meal? I think that was that night, right? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Man, that was the most I ate that whole trip. Yeah. I was like, a, I was like a beached whale. They had to roll me out of dinner that night. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. They just prepared a full feast for us. I don't know if there were 15 different dishes. It was a lot. And then we went through the buffet. I think we all ate from everything. Yeah. <laughs> it it went plate. back for seconds. It was like yeah. like a huge heaping plate of food and then went back for seconds. I still, I'll, that peanut sauce, uh, you know, that I, stuff yes. was delicious. Yep. Um, yeah. I have thought about that a lot since then. And I I haven't looked up. I know that we have a different type of peanut here in North America, but similar. I haven't looked up this sauce, but it was purple. It was like a purple kind yeah. of hummusy kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, it's so, so good. good. Yeah. 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 The food in general, I think, was I I don't think I didn't really know what to expect, but mm-hmm. it was remarkably good throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, and I there was a lot of great avocado dishes, including just like that. Remember, they give us like a half an avocado oh, yeah. and they dress it up that like so decadent. And mm-hmm. um, and yeah, just a bunch of great food. I think tilapia is actually one of the biggest exports. Fish is one of the biggest exports in Uganda. Coffee is their biggest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and fish, I think, is the second biggest. Tea is another big one. We saw a lot of tea plantations. Bananas are yeah. big. Um, and you see people selling tilapia all along the sides of the road. And it's just is really, really good stuff. You know, you see the bananas everywhere, too. And Molly, we certainly got to sample uh, some of their uh, Ugandan gin, as they call it, or waraji, which is yeah, made we had a from healthy the bananas. Sample there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost <laughs> healthy daily sample of, uh, yes. <laughs> of waraji. 
the meals were uh, were well enjoyed with lots of good waraji. I think everybody would love to get a hold of some of that around here. It seemed to go mm-hmm. well with the climate as well. It did, yeah. So, Eric, if you could spend a whole week at any location in Uganda, where would it be and why? <laughs> and why? So, I have given this question a lot of thought, especially after coming back. I think... We went, we went to a lot of really good places, uh, but Lake Mburo was, like, what I think of as, like, looking back at, like, 1920s and 1930s, like, BBC, like, shows, like, that's where you go in Africa. Like, you're, <laughs> you're, you're in a, you're in a tented camp. Yeah. You, you're up on a platform, you're in this giant canvas tent, um, and you're just overlooking, like, a slightly thinly forested savanna. With just like hippos and elephants and zebras and antelopes and and all every, everything you could want. We we went on a um, a boat ride. I could go on a boat ride probably three or four times <laughs> and have a great time. The, the hippos, the um, water buffaloes, the water buffaloes, the um, the finfoots. Oh yeah, the finfoot. All, all, all sorts sure. of just like spectacular, like not just bird wildlife, but like every bit of wildlife all all around. Lake Umboro, and then then the whole giraffe situation in the evening we had that one night. Yeah, that was incredible. And, yeah. you know, just staying in those tents was so cool. I mean, yeah. it was the first place we've ever stayed in a location like that. And in the middle of the night when the wind kicked up and I thought there were monkeys <laughs> outside our tent, was like, it was, I mean, a little scary. But then it was also like, oh, man, I'm just, I feel like I'm really out in nature, you know, experiencing it when yeah. I figured out it was the wind, obviously. Well, so I, I slept through the wind. Yeah. I, I missed the wind, the wind monkey situation, <laughs> but, but the warthogs, the yeah. warthogs snorting right behind our heads. I'm pretty sure that was still you. It might've been me. I don't know, but it woke <laughs> me up. So I don't know who knows, but it, they're like probably 10 feet away from us. Just yeah. the warthogs that were at the, at the underneath the, underneath our platform. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like snorting along, doing doing their thing. That that woke me up. So so that that was exciting. Yeah, that was really and, cool. And you you have you you have a two by four for the platform that the tent's sitting on, and a quarter a sixteen inch, however thick the canvas material is, yeah. separating you from a warthog. <laughs> so it was it was super cool. I mean, you're right out there in nature. Yeah, that was that was nice. So where where would you want to spend a whole week? Um, see, I would want to spend a whole week in Queen Elizabeth National Park. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah, so from, that was like the grass savanna that I picture when I picture Africa. Mm-hmm. You know, there, we, when we got to the lodge that we stayed at and we saw elephants like oh, five it, miles yeah, yeah. away, you know, from the scopes. And I was like, this is the best view I'm ever going to get of an elephant. <laughs> and like, just like becoming okay with that. But looking at the grassland and everything in front of us was just absolutely stunning. Of course, we saw elephants much closer closer when we were at that park Mm -hmm. and we just had some incredible elephant encounters i mean just driving down the road and they would be on the side of the road and i could just see these animals you know in i could see details on them was incredible and then the boat ride that we'd done from there where we saw the turns and we saw those gorgeous gray-headed gulls and water buffaloes in the water those gray-headed gulls were pretty spectacular they're beautiful um all the pied kingfishers that to me was like the best place that we went and i would definitely love to explore it even more
did you bring anything home? We we brought Raji home. It's gone. It's long gone. <laughs> <laughs> I brought home a lot of coffee. Uh, did you? That was yeah. Brought home a lot of coffee. I meant to bring home Waraji, and I kind of like it, my my flight got moved up at the end, and I had sort of a big shop planned at the end. Oh and, right, and, yeah, uh, yeah. We uh, that was another thing is Omicron kind of blossomed at the onset of this trip. Like we got there, uh, I think you'd have been there a couple of days, or yeah. But I, I think, think it I was maybe the day after I got there. Yeah, yeah. I'd never even heard of Omicron. And we got there right. <laughs> and learned that it now existed. Yeah. And yeah, no one, I guess, had ever heard of it. We were like, boy, that's a pretty metal name for virus variant. <laughs> yeah. Played a little bit of havoc for us. But. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Like I said, those were things that were totally out of our control, but they were present during the trip, which just having an amazing group of people really helped with pushing those worries aside and enjoying that. Yeah. But yeah, did you, uh, did you eat any Rolexes? <laughs> you know, I didn't have those as much as you guys did. But they, <laughs> those were those, those, like I had those one day, I think it was like towards the end of the trip. I, I kept hearing about you guys ordering Rolex and I was like, what are they even doing? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Oh, I was like, I'm going to just order one and find out what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We ate those um, once or twice when we were up in Mabira before the, the actual trip started, too. So, yeah, it's just rolled eggs, but they, they call it a, a Rolex, um, which was in the chapati, like a like a pita bread or that Japati kind of bread. thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we had our lunch choices every day and I started just picking that every time I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Food was a big big thing we did a lot of celebrating around meals which was nice mm-hmm. it was obviously the apes are a big part of the uganda experience mm-hmm. um, the gorillas the chimpanzees but there's even i think about 10 other species of primates um possible and we saw a bunch of them um mm-hmm. Manga bees and red-tailed monkeys and black and white colobus and um, all sorts of stuff. Uh, blue monkeys. Um, and, of course, the olive baboons put on a real show uh, as well. But I'm curious, uh, apart from the primates, was what would you say was another big mammal highlight for you? Because we saw a lot. mammals yeah we really did um when we were talking about favorite days i i couldn't think of a single sort of safari day that stood out to me but i was not prepared um i i didn't realize what number of other animals we would be seeing i i guess again just being focused on the gorillas i didn't realize how much we'd be able to be out and have those sort of safari experiences which was a big part of our trip but the first things that come to mind are drafts and zebras and we saw zebras especially um well for, right from the beginning and i was not looking forward to either of those you know i i don't know i've been to zoos in my life and i've seen them i i have seen those mammals before so i just didn't think that i would be that wowed by them but i was totally floored by both and i i don't think i'd ever get tired of seeing them 
I, yeah. I never got to the point where I thought, oh, another draft, you know, <laughs> I was as amazed every time. But wow, now I'm just thinking through all the other options. We really did see a lot of mammals. Yeah. There's a lot of things I could say there. But how about you? Yeah. Yeah, there was a couple that stood out for me. Um, we saw so many mammals, and it was, as you say, it was a big part of the trip. Um, and I think that the, uh, that huge elephant that we saw um, in Queen Elizabeth National Park, and that, that it was in such a huge herd of elephants. I mean, we, we really didn't know what we were getting into at first. We, you know, we were, we, we'd just done this magnificent loop around the lake there um, and seen pink-backed pelicans and, you know, and, and just all sorts of stuff, but, uh, you know, lots of birds and, and then, and we were kind of heading back to the hotel just to get lunch. And, and someone said, Oh, there's some elephants here. And they start crossing the road and, you know, we're just enjoying that, you know, and all of a sudden we realize that they're not just crossing the road ahead of us, they're crossing the road behind us. And that really, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden we're just really in the middle of an enormous herd of elephants. We ended up estimating close to a hundred animals. I think we estimated over 90, maybe more than that, but yeah. at least 90 animals. And finally the the last one kind of bringing up the rear, I think it was Dawn that saw it, it's kind of back and head rising above some of the, the bushy trees, vegetation said, there's Jumbo, the elephant. And, we were, <laughs> and then we were all like, Oh my gosh, like, look at that thing. And it, it took a while, it finally came out and it was completely unobscured. And you could just see the tusks were pretty much scraping the ground. And it was just this massive dome on its head. It was this big male. That was amazing. Yeah, it was just incredible. And of course, we ended up having to get out of there because he started kind of trotting towards the vehicle at a pretty good pace. Um, and I was real glad yeah. the bus started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another reason to have a uh, a driver <laughs> who knows what he's doing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was clearly waiting for all the others to cross before he did. And we just learned how to tell male and female elephants apart, so <laughs> that was cool too. But yeah, we had kind of like like you said they were coming around us on both sides and there were like puddles that they were drinking from or you know kind of the young ones were rolling them in them and that kind of thing. Um, and it finally crossed and then there was one more that was still up ahead of our bus, but on the other side. So we kind of ended up in the middle of the two of them and I figured that out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we're all just sitting there being quiet too, you know, just kind of watching this happen. So the bus was off and the windows were down and then I felt like everybody was just kind of like tensing up and holding their breath. And then Herbert said very quietly, I think we should go now. And then maybe, you know, five seconds later, we all just kind of bust out laughing and letting it all out. That was very cool. It was really intense. It was was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, That was amazing. Okay. So how about the bats? Does that stand out to you? Yes. The bats do. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was some Wizard of Oz, you know, crazy business there. Nothing, never seen anything quite like that. Yeah, it really was. This was on the road that we had gone into when we were going to Buendi and it was sort of kind of close to dark as we were going in and I don't know we were just kind of driving along half asleep and someone said I think that there that tree that we just passed was filled with bats 
And that was sort of the end of it. I mean, I didn't see it. And yeah, I totally dipped then, on it. I didn't see it at all. Yeah. Yeah. First. So then, uh, you know, a few days later we were going back out and they were like, yeah, let's look for that tree that had the bats. And oh my gosh, <laughs> that was Thousands. way more than I was expecting. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. Thousands. Yeah. yeah. Those are the cool things that, I mean, you don't prepare for those moments on the trips, I guess. And cause yeah. then we talked about it the rest of the trip and you can see bats all over the world. So, um, those are straw colored fruit bats. Yeah, that's right. But an experience yeah. like that, that that's hard to come by. It was breathtaking. It was really, yeah. See that. I think we ended up estimating that there was around 10,000 or so. Um, and they were just all around us. That was, that was incredible. Yeah, it was. Um, so we've talked a lot about the mammals in the last few minutes, Molly. Um, but let me ask you this. what What's a bird you haven't stopped thinking about since the trip? Finfoot. Ooh, yes. That's, Not that's where I thought you one. were going to go. but Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was so excited to see that bird. Um, and it was a bit of a hunt to find one, which was exciting too. And then we ended up seeing three while we were on that outing and they are so cool. Yeah. Those were awesome. That was, that was a big, that was a big item. Um, and I don't, there was no bigger target bird, uh, for almost any birding trip. You know, there's all the, there are all those, Albertine Rift endemics that we mentioned, you know, the Grower's Broadbills, the, the, there's the, you know, <laughs> like a whole bunch of palaces out there, Regal Sunbird. There's this mysterious, we mentioned it actually in the last podcast with uh, Alvaro, the Itambue nightjar, which, hasn't, which yeah. is known only from one specimen from 1955, from right on the border there with Congo, it was in Congo. So there's, you know, there's a bunch of like big, you know, targets out there, but when people think of Uganda, they think of the shoebill, and uh, oh yeah, and that was one, you know, I wasn't. It was a bird I I was not sure I would ever get to see, and I really, really did want to see that. It's just such, a, just such a crazy bird. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to sort of sluggish, big, you know crazy bill crazy expression in also i think the fact that it's in these papyrus swamps you know with all this this that the setting is is so cool as well and it's such an iconic bird i feel like some people would say that's a little bit of a cop-out because it's too obvious to be a (laughs) you know the bird that sticks with you but it really it was such it was one we really wanted to see and, you know, you, most people see them now. They've gotten really good. And, and, and Herbert and a lot of the folks down there have been instrumental in getting mm-hmm. shoebills protected, uh, especially there in the Mabamba Swamp, but even elsewhere, too, um, and building up the ecotourism around that bird such that they're much easier to find now than they used to be. Um, yeah. So I, I felt I think all of us felt like we really had a great shot to see it, but actually seeing it and um getting to kind of commune for it also the boat ride out through the swamps there to get to where it was all the malachite kingfishers you Mm -hmm. know it was definitely partly the journey uh as much as it was the bird itself yeah very much so yeah i mean that's that's totally a mythical bird 
I I didn't even think of it when I was thinking through what birds stood out to me because that's kind of <laughs> its own category in my head. Yeah, it's um, almost not a bird, a, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and that was also our first stop for the trip. That set the pace for the whole thing. Uh, we, yeah. we took off and we were right in it from the beginning. Yeah, yeah it was really cool. Magical oh, place. Were cool. Yeah. So the question uh, that I'm addressing, uh, what's a bird you haven't stopped thinking about since this trip? And my answer for that is uh, kind of a generic one, but it's the weavers. Um, I didn't think I would enjoy that group of birds as much as I did. And to give a little context, the weavers are uh, a group of birds, sort of like our house sparrows, I think, uh, Plosidae, that uh, uh, are very closely related. And they're very diverse in Africa, in the continent in general. But in Uganda, they have an amazing uh, diversity there that uh, just kept us going the whole trip. It seemed like every place we went to, there was a new weaver to see. And uh, the males are, are really nicely, usually sort of colored with yellow of some sort, with varying amounts of black or chestnut on their plumage. But the females <laughs> are uh, rather the opposite. They're dull. They're sort of olive gray browns, usually streaked on the uh, upper parts, and very similar looking. So uh, I found that to be uh, a, a really big challenge, and I I left the trip still feeling very uncertain about how to identify any of them. But I I am looking at my photos and thinking about the notes and uh, that I occasionally took in my head, and uh, I just I just love that diversity. It's it's. Um, it's a problem that I don't know if a lot of birders share. Well, I do know <laughs> a lot of birders don't like to see uh, and try to sort through confusing similar species that, you know, when you get, especially when you have other more colorful things to look at, they tend to get pushed to the side. But uh, I, I really enjoyed that uh, challenge and I'm looking at photos and looking through the field guide and, and trying to sort that stuff out in my head at the same time. Having done some field guide work with uh, the guy beside you there, Alvaro, uh, I enjoy that uh, approach of, of taking difficult species groups and trying to tease them apart. And I think that the field guide that we have, it's a, it was a, probably the best field guide I've ever seen or used, um, the birds of East Africa. Uh, I still felt that, that it wasn't the clearest when it came to separating the females and um, bouncing around in my head. How would I do this? How would I take on, uh, you know, studying and, and teasing apart some of the field marks of how to separate these species? So that that's a group that's sort of stuck in my mind um, for that trip. So, yeah. The weavers yeah. were a joy. And a lot of fun. They're they're all over the place. They're pretty much you you see dozens, if not hundreds, a day, um, mm-hmm. and you know a whole bunch of different species. I think we saw twenty twenty some species uh, of weavers, but they're just so fun. And I really liked the forest weavers we saw. In fact, I think Molly, you spotted uh, the red headed malimbe, right? Oh um, yeah, and that was you know. That thing with its crazy kind of nuthatch-like behavior, 
you know, creeping around. And the, the fact that it's like a weaver just I, – I just didn't expect that at all. You know, it was one of those mm-hmm. things that the, the behavior combined with um, the, the pattern of the bird, the setting, that it's in the forest there. Um, I think that that really – that, that that's one of the birds that knocked my socks off. And of the, of the birds we saw that day, that one, like, I remember you, I remember you were like, when you saw it, you were like, what the heck is that thing? And I was like, yeah, like, cause it really, it really had a lot of charisma and, and attitude. Totally stands out to me as one of the highlights too. And that's from that second day in Buendi when we were out, um, just having a totally magical morning, but yeah, the behaviors, I mean, like a nut hatch or yeah. more more like that. I guess it was staying more vertical, so I guess more woodpecker-like. But they're just... Yeah. Maybe I, now thinking through, it wasn't really staying vertical. They were just kind of climbing all around the trees. Yeah, they? it was really... It reminded me of a white-breasted nuthatch. Like, they, they call them devil mm-hmm. downheads, you know? And, and, and it was kind of like, yeah, it would go up sometimes. It was just like kind of all around. It was just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Striking. Yeah, it was. So another bird that... I or we saw two species, but the Prattingles were new for me. Yeah. It was a new. It felt like a cross between some sort of shortbird and a nighthawk or something. They were just hanging out, um, but especially the rock Prattingles that we saw at Murchison Falls on these insane falls, and just one of those things where the volume of water was mind blowing. And seeing those birds out there was really cool. Yeah, that was a bird all of us really wanted to see, and that at that setting, pretty tough to beat. The magnificent yeah. falls, dapper little, you know, dapper dapper little bird hanging around the falls. Mm-hmm. That was that was tough to beat. Yeah, yeah, that was a really cool bird, and that was our very last stop before we headed back for the expo and that kind of thing too. So that was a really exciting uh, finale to complement the falls there. Yeah, a nice capper. Really mm-hmm. was. Well, Molly, we got to get back there. I think both of us have are, are, have some things in the works. We're trying to trying to find our way back there. I think all of us that were there would absolutely love to go back. Yeah. And we uh, we really we owe Herbert Biarunga and Birding Uganda Safaris a, a lot of uh, a lot for putting this trip together and and, and managing it so well during a uh, a pretty difficult <laughs> time to try to. To mm-hmm. try to travel and, and manage a, a birding expo as well. Uh, it was very skillfully done. Um, yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a force to be reckoned with. Herbert is. And just every the whole movement that is behind him. They yeah. feel very unstoppable. And it's really cool to, to get a little taste of that while you're there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of youth involved in birding. A lot of women involved. And... The government also seems committed to uh, wildlife tourism, so that's that's a mm-hmm. good set of things there for uh, yeah. for for everybody, for them, for for visitors, and for the wildlife as well. So yeah, definitely. So when are you going back? I, I was going to say, I encourage <laughs> folks to think about going. I'm I am hoping to go back uh, in late 2023. Um, hoping to uh, maybe even um, kind of you know, put, put a trip together just before the women's conference there. 
Um, yeah. So that's that's separate from the African Birding Expo, but the first ever International Women's Birders Conference um, will be in December 2023. That's what I have my sights on, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it could be a pretty darn cool event. And uh, frankly, I don't want to miss it. So I'm. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I, I think uh, I want to try to get together a group to go see see uh some of the stuff we got to see and also be a part of the women's conference i think uh it's a winning winning formula there yeah definitely good stuff well we probably ought to uh to wrap with that but thanks everybody for listening and keep in touch with us on uh other things you'd like to hear about regarding travel regarding uganda me molly alvaro we are all um ready to to chat about such things. So thanks for listening, everybody. Molly, have yourself a great day. You too. See you next time. Cheers.